Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, March 18th, 2022. This is the Second Half Podcast. I am Tom Powell. And as always, if you're listening to this, that means you made it through another week and margaritas are in order. Um, Maybe some Irish whiskey this week if you're celebrating St. Patrick's Day a tad late. Uh, St. Patrick's Day was yesterday. I hope you guys had a good St. Patrick's Day. I hope nobody got into too much trouble, nobody got too drunk, and nobody made too big of an ass of themselves. We aren't real big in this house on the spring holidays, meaning St. Patrick's Day, all the Italian St. Joe's Day, and uh, Martyr of the Blessed Bleeding Vagina Day, and all the other fucking days that happen between Valentine's Day and Easter. Easter being the end of what I call the spring holidays. And, and then we get into, we get into you know, Memorial Day and Fourth of July and all of those summer holidays. There, there's just a lot of religious holidays here early on in the spring that we, we have never been that important to us and we don't really celebrate them that big. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, you know, my wife wore green and we had corned beef and cabbage. That was about the extent of it, you know. As a matter of fact, I'm recording this on St. Patrick's Day, the day before the podcast airs, as I typically do. And if you go to YouTube and you watch the video of me recording this, you'll see I didn't give a fuck about green in the least bit. As a matter of fact, turning to my closet... Yeah, I guess I have something with some green in there, but not much. A lot of black, a lot of brown, a lot of tie-dye. But anyway, fuck it. Happy belated St. Patrick's Day to all those who celebrate it. Uh, For the 49th consecutive year, I am still uh, Italian on St. Patrick's Day. Although, my ancestry DNA, uh, my ancestry DNA, my 23andMe DNA test tells me that I do have a tad bit of Irish in there. So, go figure. Uh, Let me do some housekeeping as I do every week real quick. For the people that are finding me for the first time, um, this is an amateur podcast. It, it's not done in a studio. It's done in my home office with a $100 mic I bought on pod, uh, uh, Amazon and, and an, a laptop that moves very slowly that I have to get someone to look at. Um, you're going to hear some background noise. You just heard me crack my knuckles. Got the fan going in the window. The dogs are going to bark at some point in time. You might even hear the, the robot vacuum bang against the office door. Uh, it is what it is. It's not meant to be a, a, a finished, polished product, so just kind of roll with it if you could. Um, additionally, if you are finding me for the first time, chances are you don't know about my website, so if you have a moment, swing by oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippymedia.com. H-I-P-P-I-E is how you spell hippie. And there you're going to find anything you want to know about me, if you even want to know anything else about me. You're going to find uh, my Patreon subscription service. If you like this podcast, I do a a bonus podcast episode every other Tuesday on a paid subscription service that you can subscribe to for as low as $4.20 a month. You're going to find links on where you can find me on the other um, social media apps, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok being the big one, of course, um, Clapper, Snapchat, all of them. 
Uh, you're also going to find a link to my web store, over 300 items. Going to work on getting some new merch up there in the next week or so. And then you're going to find a link on where you can buy my first two books entitled A Grateful Life, The Life Story of a Husband, Father, and Taco Loving Deadhead, and Dearest Renee, Letters from the Coronavirus War of 2020. Both of those are available in paperback and ebook formats. Um, that's enough pimping of myself and enough housekeeping. We might as well get into the stories. This podcast, since episode 100, has been political. Everything prior to one episode 100 was... I, I purposely kept politics out of it, for the most part. Uh, but I do have a non-political story to start with. A couple of non-political stories, actually, to start with. Uh, and to start with this week, uh, a bit of personal uh, conversation. Uh, I wasn't going to do this podcast this week because uh, normally I record on Thursday, I air on Friday. Wednesday of this week, I was scheduled to have a cataract surgery to remove a cataract uh, from my left eye. Uh, I figured I was going to be recovering on Thursday, St. Patrick's Day, and then I have to have a cortisone shot put into my hip uh, uh, Friday morning, the morning you are hearing this. So I wasn't going to record a podcast this week. I told everybody there wasn't going to be one, and then I just moved on. Well, I was wrong. Because uh, I fucked up my, my cataract surgery. And it wound up not happening. So I'm not recovering today, Thursday, so I can record for you to listen tomorrow, Friday. While I'm getting my hip injection. So while you guys are listening to my podcast uh, on Friday morning, I, I will have a gigantic needle jammed into my hip socket. So an orthopedic surgeon can blast it with cortisone. So how did I fuck up my cataract surgery? Okay, so I have, in the past year and a half to two years, begun dealing with a lot of um, my own mortality. And I've become a bit of an anxious, nervous wreck in certain scenarios, okay? You put me in certain scenarios, I'm going to be able to thrive. You put me in other scenarios, I, I'm going to collapse like a wet taco. And, and those scenarios right now seem to be largely focused in the medical community. And, and one of the things that I had been worried about when it comes to cataract surgery was, um, was I going to be aware? Was I going to freak out on the operating table that somebody was cutting into my eye because I was aware that they were cutting into my eye? And so one of the things that I do when, when I talk to a doctor or a specialist is I ask a million questions. You know, I, I, watched, I watched my father have to have 10,000 different doctors and take 80,000 different medications and go through 100,000 different procedures and, and never really ask questions. And, and I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to ask questions. I wanted to... to, to find out what I wanted to know about the health care that they were trying to give me. So if I'm prescribed a pill, I ask, what is this pill for? What is this pill going to do to me? What are the side effects of this pill? And if I remember to ask it, what do I need to do to get off of this pill? It doesn't mean that I always do what I need to do to get off the pill, but I ask the question. 
And so when I was told that I had a, a bad cataract, and that was the reason why I can't see shit, for those of you on YouTube, my left eye here, this is all cloudy. I can't see a fucking thing. The question that I asked was, am I going to be aware they are working on me? Uh, not am I going to be awake. Not am I going to be conscious. Am I going to be aware that they are working on me? That's all I wanted to know. First person I asked was the lady who works in the office at the optometry, uh, uh, the optometrist's office. And I said to her, I need to ask you a question. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Am I going to be aware that they're working on me? Her reply, oh, no. No. Okay. Because I can handle a lot of things. I, I don't think I can handle that. I, I'm just making you guys aware of that. Uh, uh, I, I want I want everybody to know that. No, 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 no. No worries. It's, it's a breeze. And I understand. I'm not a stupid man. I may not be an, an educated man, uh, but I'm not a stupid man on all issues. And I understand that millions of people get cataract surgeries across the world with no issues. With my anxiety, I wanted to make sure everybody was aware that that I could not be aware that they were working on me. So I asked her. I asked the people at the hospital during the during the process of giving them all the information I needed. I asked my own doctor. I asked the, the people in, 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 in the room when I was changing into my gown. I asked people online. <laughs> now my wife asked me why I didn't ask her mom and dad who both had cataract surgery. And I don't know why I didn't ask my mom and dad. I, I think now that I think about it, part of me says in the back of my head, they're just going to tell you it's going to be okay because they don't want you to worry. Because my mother-in-law is a very nice lady and doesn't want anybody to have to worry about anything. And, 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 I, and I think that she might just tell me it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Even if she knows that you're going to be aware. So I was trying to talk to other people. And... And everybody in the fucking world told me that I was not going to be aware of this. Went up to the third floor, changed into my gown, had the lady come in and, 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 and talk to me, take my blood pressure, take my blood sugar. My blood pressure was fine. It was like 117 over 83, and I didn't even have my blood pressure meds that morning. Had to fast from the night before, not take all your meds, blah, blah, blah. I was calm. I was relaxed. My wife came up. I was, I was, I'm, I'm still nervous, okay? And so I still get short with people and I, I, I kind of like a turtle, I pull back. Um, which I think is a reactionary thing from my youth, but I, I can't quite put my finger on that. But I was still calm. My blood pressure would not have been that low had I not been calm. Anyway, they, they take my wife away. I'm all set to go. They reel, wheel me down the hall. I'm talking to the guy wheeling me slightly, not my usual amount of conversation. And I get to pre-op, and I'm talking to them, and everything's fine. And then the anesthesiologist comes in. And that's when shit went off the rails. 
and the anesthesiologist started to talk to me, and I said, yeah, I just have one question for you. And she said, yeah, what can I do? And I said, am I going to be aware that he's working on me? And she said, well, yeah, of course you are. And I went, I'm sorry, what? And she goes, yeah, you're going to be aware. You're going to be sedated, but you're going to be aware. And I'm like, that's not what everybody's told me up until this point in time. And my right hand immediately began to tremble. And I mean, it was shaking rapidly. I couldn't couldn't stop it. At first, I didn't even know it was happening. And I began to just amp up and up and up. My anxiety just started to go through the roof. And then the doctor came in and I started to talk to the doctor. And then another guy from anesthesiology came in and another nurse came down. And everybody's talking to me and they're all trying to tell me that it's going to be okay, but I am going to be aware. And the only person I could think of that I would trust in this scenario was my wife. So I told them I need to talk to my wife. They're like, well, you're in pre-op. I'm like, I don't fucking care where I am. You're not doing anything to me until I have an opportunity to speak to my wife. That's what I told the doctor, not the nurse, not the anesthesiologist, the doctor himself. I looked at him and I said, Doc, I don't care. I don't give a fuck where I'm at. I will stand up and walk out of here if I have to, but I need to talk to my wife. And nothing is going to proceed until my wife is standing next to me. Because at this stage in my life, while I trust my kids, I trust uh, my cousin, I trust my uh, my wife's cousins and and my in-laws and all of that, the only person I truly trust in this world is my wife. She is the only person on this fucking planet that truly knows me. So they went to go get her. And the problem is, by the time they went to go get her, the doctor had made the determination that I was so amped up that they couldn't get me to calm down with sedation. And they needed uh, to talk to a cardiologist, my cardiologist, about getting me approved for general anesthesia where they knock you out and intubate you, if need be. So by the time my wife got to my bedside, the, the doctor was already telling me this, this surgery is not going to happen today. We're, we're canceling this surgery. Which I then pushed back and argued with him on. And, 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 and <laughs> how do I say this? There are a lot of reasons why I wanted that surgery done. Obviously, I need to be able to fucking see. And God forbid one develops in my right eye. Now, he looked in both of my eyes when he when I went in for the eye appointment. He goes, yeah, it doesn't look like anything's developing in your eye. So I'm not worried about a, a cataract developing, developing in my right eye real quickly and me not being able to see anything. But, you know, I got to be able to see. So that's, that's obviously reason number one. Um... Reason number two, and no particular order here. Reason number two, we're going on vacation. Now, I can see just fine, and I'm going to be able to enjoy vacation. And um, 
I, I'm looking very much forward to getting the fuck out of here with my wife for a few days, if only for a few days, to just go and fucking relax. Chill out. You know, just be. But I wanted to be able to see for that as well. But the big reason, and forgive me if I, because uh, I can already feel it. If I get a tad emotional here, but um, the the big reason why I wanted that surgery done. Because I'm going to meet my grandchildren for the first time on the 26th, and I wanted to be able to look at them with two good eyes and actually see them for everything that they are. Now, <laughs> I know, it sounds weird, right? Oh, you goddamn, you're an emotional mess, dude. Fucking get it together. I, I am. I can't fucking deny it, and I don't know why. I can't fucking tell you why. But I am. I have become an absolute fucking disaster of an emotional wreck in the last couple of years. And now that first meeting Is going to be this way. Oh, God. Listen, I know it's going to be fine. I can see my grandkids. Having a cataract in one eye isn't going to stop me from hugging my grandkids, from talking to my grandkids, from being able to sit next to them and, and hear what they have to say. I get all of that. I have been... uncharacteristically nerve-wracked about this meeting. Because I need it to be right. Right. I need it to be... It's the first time I'm ever going to meet them, you know? It's the first time they're ever going to meet me. I, I lost years. It's the first time I'm ever going to meet my daughter. Whom I've lost 32 years with. You know, and I look at the children I have with my wife and I realize that they had things from me that my other child never had and never will have. They didn't, she didn't have me attending softball games or going to school events or helping with homework or... or, or I, 
I don't know why my brain is working like this. I honestly, I don't know. I, I didn't know she existed, so I don't know why the fuck I'm beating myself up for missing those years. But I am. And now I'm going to fucking, I'm going to be impartial, or impartial is the wrong word. Jesus fucking Christ, get it together, man. I'm going to be not whole when I meet all of them for the first time. I'm going to be looking at them through this clouded eye for the first time. And it just feels tainted. But I can't wait any longer. <laughs> I, I, they're talking about April 20th, end of April, for the next opening for surgery. And, and, and I can't wait another month. <laughs> uh, I've waited too long as it is. Now, my daughter... Sometimes, I guess, listens to this podcast, my, my newly found daughter. So if you're listening to this, let me tell you, don't worry about it. It's just me being an emotional mess. It's going to be fine. We're going to be there. We're going to have fun. We're going to chat. We're going we're gonna to get to know one another a little bit. And there will be a lot more meetings post-cataract surgery in which I will be able to look on you and, and my son-in-law and my, my grandchildren with two good eyes. It's just, gee, I don't know what it is. (laughs) I say it's just, I don't know what it's just. It's just, it's just me being a fucking lunatic. It's just me being an emotional mess. It's just me being uh, an old man facing his own mortality. That's all. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Uh, I told her, as I told my wife, because she was talking to me and I was a bit of a mess. You know, I have been so focused on making this first meeting right, or as right as I can make it, that... Uh, I had a breakdown in the fucking candy aisle at Walmart this past week. Uh, On the one and only uh, FaceTime call that I've had with my daughter and and grandchildren, discovered that they like Jolly Ranchers. One likes the watermelon, the other likes the blue raspberry. And I'm like, fucking noted. All right? On it. I'm going to get some fucking Jolly Ranchers. I will make sure I have Jolly Ranchers in my hand when I show up. And I'm in the candy aisle at Walmart today, or not today, this week. And, and the only Jolly Ranchers they have are these hot, spicy, whatever the fuck they are. And, and so for like two to three minutes, I'm looking and looking and looking and I'm moving shit on aisles. And, and I can't find these fucking Jolly Ranchers anywhere. And there's a lady who's doing the... The Walmart ladies who do shopping for other people. She goes, are you okay? 
because I'm like in a panic at this point in time, and I'm like, I, I can't find the blue raspberry and the watermelon Jolly Ranchers. Can you please help me find them? And she's now, now keep in mind that you know this is the one section of the goddamn store where they are missing some shit on the shelves because not a lot of candy in stock, and I can't read the little bitty tags that are on the shelf to tell me what is supposed to be here, where this empty spot is. What's supposed to be here? Because I got this fucking cataract in my eye. So I can't read. This is where the Jolly Ranchers are supposed to be. So she looks and she goes, they're supposed to be here. We don't have any. And the minute she said we're out after we don't have any, she said we don't have any, we're out. The minute she, she said we're out, In a completely irrational moment, my heart sank and my brain went into, no, you got to have them. No, you got to have them. I can't. And I looked at the lady and I, and I started to cry. And I said to her, I go, you don't understand. I have to have these Jolly Ranchers. I can't show up without these Jolly Ranchers. I cannot show up without them. She goes, sir. I, I don't want to tell you, we don't have them. Now, the rational side of your brain says, hey, fucko, you're going to find them somewhere else. Go to another grocery store, go to Target, order them online, do something. You're going to find them. That's not the way my brain was working. My brain was working in the fuck you're not going to have these things for your grandkids. Which, at the end of the fucking day, probably wouldn't even matter. You know? If I showed up without Jolly Ranchers, it probably w- would be a non-issue. But it's an issue for me. And I need to have these Jolly Ranchers. I, I just do. And so I just fucking broke down. I, I absolutely broke down. Had to take a minute to compose myself, wrap up the shopping, check out, get the fuck out of the store, and then just fucking breathe. I got to the car, and I just sat there. Just calm down, man. Calm down. They're Jolly Ranchers. It's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm a mess, ladies and gentlemen. I am a mess. I went to the toy section. Prior to that. To try and find something small. And I couldn't find anything with Encanto on it. And my youngest grandchild loves Encanto. Now, I didn't have a breakdown... Uh, I just thought to myself, all right, you'll find something with the Kanto on it. Maybe you'll find something else. Move along, get the grocery part done. And then at the end of the grocery, when I couldn't find uh, the grocery part, when I couldn't find the Jolly Ranchers, and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, man. You, you, you're, 
fucking this grandpa thing up already. And I know I'm not. Alright? I know I'm going to be an imperfect grandfather because I'm an imperfect husband. I'm an imperfect father. I'm an imperfect human. But I'm trying to make this moment right. And I feel like I'm not. I will get beyond it. I will. I know I will. So don't worry to the family and friends who are listening. It's just... Holy shit. (laughs) I look up and I've been rambling about this for 29 minutes. Uh... Sorry, guys. I know this is typically a political podcast. Uh, But this is a very big moment for me in my life. Getting married was a big moment, and I was nervous as fuck for that. When my kids were born were big moments, and while I may not have shown it, I was nervous as fuck for that. And this is a big moment. I. <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Hang on a minute. I need to uh, just cow myself down. Uh, Jesus, Mary, and fucking Joseph. at your kids and you see all the things you did right and all the things you did wrong. And I look at all three of my kids with my wife, Maggie, Lily, and and, and Tommy. And I see in them the things I did wrong and the things I did right. And, And I realize that Nobody's perfect. I made mistakes. I also was partially responsible for creating some generally uh, uh, um, level-headed human beings. My wife was probably way more responsible than I was, but I like to think of myself as partially responsible. And then you think about when you're going to have grandkids, right? Which I've thought about a lot. You know, when, when are my kids going to have kids? When are we going to be at the hospital waiting for a grandchild to be born? When are we going to be able to say, hey, go out for the night, drop the kids off at our place, and stay here for the night. You guys go have a good time. We're going to pop some popcorn and watch a movie and fuck off. I got, I got this. We're... We're grandparents. We know what we're doing. And then, boom, one day, it's landed in your lap, the news, that not only do you have another child, you already have two grandchildren, 
And you missed all of that shit. All of that stuff has been done. Congratulations. They've already developed personalities. They've already begun to become the people that... And you realize that you've got to, like, run to catch up. And then you start to think about all the things that your parents did as grandparents to your kids and how you want to emulate in some ways and then in other ways put right the wrongs of the past. Do do things differently. Learn from the shit that they did as a grandparent and not do those things. And I realize that I'm behind the eight ball by years already and and I'm like trying to get to that point where I don't know what I'm trying to do, guys. Honestly, I don't. I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. I'm trying to get to that point where I'm grandpa without realizing that you just need to be who you are and you'll be grandpa. That makes sense. I don't even know how the fuck we got here in the conversation. At the end of the day, I just really wanted to look at my daughter and my grandchildren with both of my eyes. Jesus fucking Christ. Get it together. How does this happen to a human being? I have never been like this. Start knocking on the door of 50, start having a few health problems, and all of a sudden I'm a fucking emotional wreck. Oh, God damn. So to my oldest daughter, who may or may not be listening, my, my, my newly found daughter, uh, take advantage of this because you could probably get a fucking brand new car out of me at this point in time. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. I, I swear to God, it, it, my, my grandchildren could call me today and be like, Grandpa, we need, and I'd be like, what the fuck do you need? I got it. It's done. Now, obviously, that's not the case with everything, but uh, take advantage of it, all right? Uh, I'm, I'm a fucking puddle over here, okay? If I hired a cleaning service to come into the house right now, they'd have to mop me up. So, anyway, that's how I fucked up my cataract surgery this week. Sorry that that was a half an hour long, but... We will now move on to some other things. I have one more uh, non-political story I want to touch on before we get into politics. So let me just shift gears away from this emotional train wreck and get into the stuff that um, I don't get emotional about. Okay? Well, the first one, it may be a tad emotional because I, I do love music. Something fierce. 
And the first story is about uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton has withdrawn her name from consideration for entry into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Parton, 76, said on social media that while she is, quote, flattered and grateful, unquote, to have received a nomination last month, she does not feel she deserves the honor and does not want, quote, votes to be split because of me, end quote. So she has rescinded her name from consideration. And I've talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and my love of music in the past, and i got to tell you something. Uh, this was... 100% the right thing to do. It, that is not to say that I don't love me some Dolly Parton. She's a fucking legend. Legend. She's about as damn near as close to American royalty as you're going to get. But she's not a rock and roll artist and has no place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, I have argued before, and I'll argue right now, change the name of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to the Music Hall of Fame. And then I got no problem with it. Change it to the Music Hall of Fame, and she deserves a a spot of honor in that Hall of Fame. Among all musical acts, across all genres. But she is not rock and roll. And there are far too many acts who are legendary acts, who are acts that I fucking love and listen to all the time that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that are not worthy of being in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As long as you're labeling it as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Rap artists, jazz artists, blues artists, country artists do not belong in it, no matter how great and legendary they are. They just don't, right? The Football Hall of Fame is the Football Hall of Fame. So in my opinion, if you played professional football or just college football and you were great at it, you go into the Football Hall of Fame. If it was the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I believe it actually might be, that it's just for pros. Does that make sense? This is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, I would love nothing more than for them to just change the name of it and call it the Music Hall of Fame. And let's say we're going to induct everybody from all genres of music, and then I'm down with the program. But thank you very much, Dolly Parton, for doing the right thing and realizing that that's not where you belong. You belong. They should rename the Country Music Hall of Fame after you. The Dolly Parton Country Music Hall of Fame. Boom. You're a fucking legend. Can't argue with it. This is not your place. So thank you for withdrawing your name from consideration. All right. That's the last non-political story of the week. We got to move on to politics now. And, and the first story combines uh, a, a bit of politics and a bit of karma, which I always love. The author of Florida's controversial and and well-documented Don't Say Gay Bill, 
Florida GOP Representative Joe Harding saw his home get hit by a tornado this past week, and one can only assume we're going to have to wrap that up to the wrath of God. I mean, that's why they say tornadoes and hurricanes hit places in other parts of the country, right? Because of gay marriage, gay wedding, and gay abortion, and gay this, and gay that. This is God's punishment, right? Well, fucko, this was God punishing you for being a douche canoe. The tornado touched down on Ocala, Florida on Saturday morning. Harding was not home, but other family members were. The house suffered damage, but thankfully no one was hurt. The tornado wreaked further destruction on the homes of neighbors, with Harding estimating that 7 out of 10 homes in his neighborhood suffered, quote, catastrophic damage, end quote. Of his own home's encounter with the tornado, he said, quote, we are blessed. It could have been a lot worse. And that's the part that really boggles my mind. You're blessed to have been hit with a tornado? If you were fucking blessed, you think God would have not let a tornado hit your house in any way, shape, or form? You're not even a shingle missing off the roof. Well, obviously, I'm not a believer. I'm an atheist. I don't think there is a God or a devil or a heaven or a hell or a soul or an afterlife, but my God, if that's what being blessed is, then pass on the blessing. Hard pass. Take your fucking blessings and give them to Joe down the street. I don't fucking need them. All right? But it is kind of fitting that your house got a little tornado damage, isn't it? You you go out there and preach against the gays. You stand on that fucking book of fairy tales of yours to justify your hatred of other human beings. You go out there and you author a bill that's going to further disenfranchise uh, 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 gay people in our community. I view this as just a slight bit of karma. In my opinion, you got a lot more coming. And I hope it's not delayed karma. You ignorant, homophobic, cut nugget, piece of dog shit. I, I do not weep for you getting structural damage to your house from a tornado in the least bit. Now, I don't wish anybody harm. I don't wish anybody death. So I'm glad that your family members weren't home. Uh, but had nobody been home, I would say to you, I wish it would have fucking leveled your house. No shit. Honestly. Stop being an oppressive piece of shit. Okay? Speaking of uh, pieces of shit, we got a lot of those to talk about in this week's political segments, uh, but... Next up, we're going to talk about Katie Arrington, who's the uh, Republican running in South Carolina's first congressional district to unseat the sitting Republican, Nancy Mace. Now, Nancy Mace uh, is, as I said, a Republican and was pretty much on board with the Trump train. She's the one who turned on Trump 
in regards to uh, blaming him for the whole January uh, 6th thing, which we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about in a minute. And then when Trump turned on her and endorsed Katie Arrington, uh, uh, Mace ran up to New York and filmed a video out in front of Trump Tower proclaiming her loyalty to Trumpism. Because, you know, it's not a cult. Well, Arrington has revealed her uh, four-point policy plan, which, I gotta tell you, is refreshing as fuck, ladies and gentlemen, because we typically don't get a lot of policy plans from Republicans. We get what they're against. We get what they want to do away with, right? Uh, we're, we're, we, we get what who they hate, but we don't actually get a lot of policy out of these fuckers. So when I heard that she had talked about a four-point policy plan, I couldn't wait to find the video. Tell me what it's about. Let me hear what your idea of policy for the American people is. What is your four-point plan to make life better for your constituents and the rest of the American people? Tell me. Well, here is her four-point plan. You ready? Because this is unfucking believable ladies and gentlemen. This is how we're going to put America back on the right track, according to Republican Katie Arrington in South Carolina's 1st Congressional District. One, fire Fauci. Huh? Uh, two, get rid of the Department of Education. Huh? Three, impeach Biden and Kamala. Four, open up Hunter's laptop I'm not joking with you. Those are her four po- policy points. Fire Fauci, eliminate the Department of Education, impeach the sitting president and vice president, and open the laptop of somebody who's never held elected office once in his life. Never mind about the refreshing part. <laughs> it's not refreshing. It's, it's typical bullshit from the Republicans. It's when the fuck are you cocksuckers going to get over Hunter Hunter Biden's laptop? And I'm sorry, cocksuckers is the right terminology. When the fuck are you cocksuckers going to get the fuck over Hunter Biden's laptop? You have corruption in your own ranks. Your last president had his own family running shit. And you want to look at his fucking drug-addled son of the current president for something that, what, because he made some money off the fact that his dad was, somebody gave him a job in which he didn't have to do shit. Geez, he should probably change his name to Trump, shouldn't he? Trump or Kardashian, for fuck's sake. Was it right that Hunter Biden made money off of his dad's name? Absolutely not. Does everybody do it? Yeah, and I wish they didn't. Are the Republicans focusing on him because they can't deal with looking inward at their own mess? Yeah, absolutely. Open his laptop, impeach Biden and Kamala. Let's just talk about that one for a minute. Fine, go ahead and impeach him. First of all, you're never going to get to 60 votes in the Senate. We've learned that. You guys want to play politics with uh, an impeachment trial? We can too. You're never going to get rid of them. But even if you could uh, get 60 seats 
in the midterm elections in the Senate and managed to impeach Kamala and uh, 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 Joe. Do you dumb fucks not realize what that results in is President Nancy Pelosi? I mean, you guys think that you're going to take the House back. Okay, fine. Maybe you will. Once again, you're not impeaching them. Their grand plan is, of course, take back the House, take back the Senate, uh, but take back the House and Senate so that they can impeach Joe and Kamala and then uh, make Trump Speaker of the House so he ascends to to the presidency again. In other words, we can't win an election. So we're going to fix this thing so that we can just install our guy. And then, of course, uh, the topper there, the fire Fauci part, because these fucks are just as obsessed with Dr. Fauci as they are with uh, with Hunter Biden. So there you have it, South Carolina. Residents of the uh, first congressional district of South Carolina. There is uh, uh, Katie Arrington's four-point policy plan in all its glory. Fire Fauci, eliminate the Department of Education, impeach the president and vice president, and open up Hunter's laptop. Vote accordingly, South Carolina, because that, to me, is no real policy in any way, shape, or form. But who the fuck am I? Uh, Speaking of no real policy in any way, shape, or form, let's talk about Marco Rubio. Dude finally achieved something in the Senate since he started in that governing body back in 2011. Yes, Marco Rubio has been defiling our Senate with his stench for 11 years. And it finally, he finally took him 11 years to get there. To, to get something passed. Now, he's gotten other things passed, but when you look at his record, it's mainly a lot of bullshit for Florida. And some, some uh, uh, you know, really non-binding shit about helping to promote religious freedom around the world. He's really accomplished next to nothing. And it's really a shame because when Marco Rubio first came on the scene, even though I'm not a Republican, I did look at him as one of the few people who might be a reasonable voice in his party. He was young, he was charismatic, and I thought maybe he would see the world differently. But what happened? He became like every other fucking Republican out there for the most part and just became a Trumpist lapdog. And boom. He accomplished next to nothing in 11 years. But this week, his bill got passed in the Senate is expected to pass the House and probably be signed by Joe Biden. So, ladies and gentlemen, Marco Rubio will be known for something after all. He will be known for the man who ended daylight savings time. I know, I know, your nipples are so hard you can cut glass with them right now, but try to contain your excitement. Don't get me wrong. I fucking hate Daylight Savings Time. Hate it. But when all is said and done and Marco Rubio's career is over and they write 
the, the list of things that Marco Rubio is known for having accomplished in the Senate, that's going to be his big accomplishment, getting rid of di- daylight savings time. Congrats, Marco. You're as useless as underwear on a hooker. Florida, you have got to do a better job. Okay, you got a couple of different people. Val Demings, Ken, that gentleman, I forget his last name now. Forgive me, Ken. But you got a couple of different gentlemen or people running down there to replace Marco Rubio. Florida, do the right thing. Get rid of this sack of dog shit. Marco Rubio. He's useless. Absolutely useless. And he's proven to you from the 2016 election cycle to today that he is willing to sell his fucking soul in order to remain in power. It's time to vote this asshole out. It's time to send his ass down to K Street and tell him it's, he's got to get a job. Florida, you got to do better. Speaking of needing to do better, we now turn to uh, what is shaping up to be the Republican hellscape known as Idaho. Shit, Tom, you're all over the map. We're in Florida, we're in South Carolina, now we're up in Idaho. Yeah, because Idaho's making news, believe it or not. On Monday, the Idaho House passed Senate Bill 1309, which, like in Texas, would prevent pregnant people from obtaining abortions after six weeks. Idaho's spin? It's an interesting one. Rather than empowering any private citizen uh, from being able to sue anybody who gets an abortion, this law specifically allows family members of the fetus, including family members of a rapist to sue abortion providers for up to four years after the procedure for a minimum of $20,000 in damages. I'm just giving you a minute to take that in. Now listen, Idaho has humanely said that the rapists themselves could not sue under the proposed legislation. They could get their parents and siblings to do so. Which is absolutely fucking insane. In the state of Idaho, just if you want me to boil this down to gravy, put away all the legal mumbo-jumbo. What does this mean? This means that in the state of Idaho, once the governor eventually, if this thing goes all the way through and the governor actually signs this thing, in the state of Idaho, A woman can get raped, become pregnant, abort the pregnancy, and the family members of the rapist could sue the abortion provider for a minimum of $20,000, and that's each family member. If the rapist had five brothers, each brother could sue for $20,000. The rapist's parents could sue for $20,000. The rapist grandparents could sue for $20,000. Each, ladies and gentlemen. What kind of a sick, perverted, twisted, fucked up mind would even think of a bill like that, let alone draft it, debate it, and vote yes on it? I, for one, 
even though this is a small gesture, will be forever looking at potatoes when I buy them from now on. If they say they came from Idaho, I'm going to try to find another source. Are you fucking kidding me? The brother of some piece of shit rapist can sue a woman for aborting a baby that she had uh, as uh, became pregnant with as a result of being raped? You Cro-Magnon buckets of liquefied rhinoceros shit. What the fuck is wrong with you? There needs to be GoFundMe sites set up. Whatever the fuck needs to happen in order to be able to raise funds for people to be able to get abortion safely in the state of Idaho because the Republicans have lost their fucking minds. Calm down. Relax. All right. No need to give yourself a heart attack. Moving on. Let's briefly talk about January 6th. And I do mean briefly because there's only one January 6th news story in the news this week. Uh, I told you earlier about how uh, the leader of the Proud Boys secretly met with the leader of uh, um, the Oath Keepers. On January 5th in a D.C. garage. Okay. January 6th, ladies and gentlemen, was planned. It was planned by right-wing militia groups and Republican sitting elected officials. And that's what the January 6th commission is, uh, committee is getting to the bottom of. Well, we now know that the leader of the Oath Keepers and the leader of the Proud Boys met in the D.C. garage to discuss the events of the following day, January 6th. Um, which is conspiracy, by the way. The RICO Act can now be brought into play here. But apparently what we didn't know and we learned this week, which is an interesting little factoid, is they brought a film crew. They brought a film crew with them and they filmed the entire thing because they actually believed they were going to overthrow the federal government, form a new government, and they were going to be the new revolutionaries they were going to be the new founding fathers of this nation they were going to be the ones who did this that overthrew a tyrannical government to form a new government and form this new chapter and they were going to make sure it was all documented so that they could brag about it in the future and if i may quote james comey lordy there are tapes now I don't know how many Proud Boys and Oath Keepers listen to this personally. I think that members of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers are nothing more than uh, stagnant buckets of dog shit. But if any members of the Proud Boys or Oath Keepers happen to be listening to this, quick question for you. Uh, How the fuck can you be this stupid? Seriously, this is weapons-grade stupidity. This is nuclear-level stupidity. How the fuck... Do you record yourself committing treason? Lock every one of these motherfuckers up for the maximum amount humanly possible. Take away their right to vote. Take away their right to own a gun. And let them sit there and stew in their own misery for the rest of their lives until eventually 
thankfully, Mother Nature allows them to take their last fucking breath and they can no longer soil our planet with the imprint of their foot. These people are human fucking scum. Fuck them. Fuck them all. But that's not what we're focusing on this week uh, for the big stuff. For the big story uh, stories of the week, we're going to focus on this Russian-Ukraine war and, and how this ties into the Republican Party. Okay, So let's go through a few things. First, uh, hang on a second. Before I even get there, before I even get there, I, I wasn't going to talk about this, but... Um, since we're diving into the realm of, of, of foreign policy, I guess. Did you guys see what happened between India and Pakistan this week? See, I want to talk about foreign policy. I want to talk about Russia. I want to talk about Congress. I want to talk about the Republican influence and in all of this. But real quickly, while all of this is going on, we had a small incident between India and Pakistan this week. Now, if you don't know about the history between India and Pakistan, India and Pakistan have been feuding with each other for the longest time. There's a little uh, area of land called Kashmir that both India and Pakistan lay claim to, and they've been fighting over this piece of land and feuding over this piece of land for the longest fucking time, uh, and they're both nuclear powers. And, and it's been this teetering brink of, my God, are one of these two fucking morons actually going to light the fuse and kick this thing off? For, for years. Well, this week... <coughs> in quite possibly what could, could be uh, the winner for the worst timing award, um, India accidentally fired a missile into Pakistan. And uh, uh, they said, basically, oops, didn't mean to do that, uh, mea culpa, sorry. We're going to review our procedures, we're going to review our protocols, and we're going to figure out what the fuck happened so that that doesn't happen again, but my bad. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not just a my bad. Motherfucker, we are teetering, teetering on the brink of World War III. Russia is inside of Ukraine and threatening to use nuclear weapons. We don't need any accidental missile launches, okay? Tighten that shit up. Get your house in order. Stop pushing us to the brink of an accidental nuclear war. Just thought I'd throw that one in since we were diving into the realm of foreign policy. It, it just, I saw that news story and I was like, holy fucking ball. How the fuck do you accidentally fire a missile into the neighboring country that just so happens to be a nuclear adversary? But I digress. We're talking about Russia. Russia, Ukraine, United States, and Republicans, Okay. Uh, let's start with uh, 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 a weird story, if I could, please, with, when it comes to the Russia-Ukraine thing. President Zelensky had another Zoom meeting with all of the members of Congress, okay? Asking for help, asking for aid, asking once again for his no-fly zone. And um, his fashion sense was criticized. Not by a sitting member of the Republican Party, but by stockbroker Peter Schiff, who complained on Twitter that Zelensky showed up to that Zoom meeting in a t-shirt. 
that was unprofessional. He should have addressed Congress in a suit and tie. Uh, uh, Pete? Peter? Mr. Schiff? Petey boy? I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, he's uh, in the middle of a fucking war! Are you fucking shitting me? Oh, how uncouth. He, he he showed up in a t-shirt. What, you don't own a suit and tie? Yeah, they're probably back at his house, which is being overrun by R- R- Russians. I don't know if it is or isn't, but I'm just, the fuck, the dude's in an active fucking war, man. How about we cut him some slack? How about we exercise a little bit of patience with him and realize that uh, him taking the Kevlar off for a moment to discuss something with us in just his t-shirt is good enough. What kind of an asshole do you have to be that that's your thought process? You couldn't fucking put on a suit and tie while addressing Congress? No, bitch! He's got bombs falling all around him. He's number one on the fucking Russian hit list, and the Russian military is in his country looking for him right now. Yeah, making sure he had a Windsor knot was not on the top of his fucking priority list. Fucking people. Jesus Christ. Speaking of fucking people, can we talk about how much of an asset the Republican Party and their propaganda machine is to Putin and Russia? Jesus fucking Christ. The Republican propaganda arm, better known as Fox News, helps Russia spread its message, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this. The Kremlin asked state-controlled Russian media to highlight Fox News host Tucker Carlson's broadcast, quote, as much as possible, end quote, due to his criticisms of the U.S. and its NATO allies in the coverage of the Ukraine crisis. Mother Jones reported that a leaked 12-page memo from a Russian government agency to media on March 3rd said, quote, it is essential to use as much as possible fragments of broadcast by Tucker Carlson. What? The document was titled For Media and Commenters and sent from Russia's Department of Information and Telecommunications Support, uh, according to Mother Jones. The outlet said Carlson was the only Western journalist referenced in the memo. So what has uh, Putin's endgame been for years? Take down the United States of America from within, of course. What makes it easy to take down the United States of America from within? Well, having one of the two major political parties in your pocket helps, and having their political propaganda media uh, wing uh, push your narrative really fucking helps. And that's what Fox News is doing. They are literally replaying segments from Tucker fucking Carlson on Russian state-run media going, see, see, even the Americans get it. NATO's shit. United States is shit. Russia, good. Congratulations, Tucker Carlson. You are what's known as 
Hang on a second. What was it? What do, what do they what do they call it? Uh, 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 um, a useful idiot. That's what you are. Useful idiot. Real easy to take down the United States of America from within when you're being helped by one of the largest news outlets in the country. And then, of course, we have that same Zoom meeting with Zelensky in which uh, the camera shows every member of Congress getting up to applaud Zelensky. Who didn't applaud him? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Skankopotamus herself. Marjorie Taylor, I'm sorry, that was me planting those bombs on January 6th, Green, allegedly. Let's be honest, Marjorie Taylor Green is an evil sack of rhinoceros piss. And she is a domestic terrorist. She has absolutely no place in any elected position anywhere in the country. I don't give a fuck if it's dog catcher. This woman is unqualified. She is un-American. She is unconstitutional, and her uh, her desire to end the American experiment makes her unfit for office. And then she doesn't clap for an ally who's in an active war against a lifelong adversary. And if that wasn't bad enough, she then goes out and says that we need to stop giving aid to Ukraine. We need to stop giving Ukraine money and military assistance, you know, in the form of, of equipment, because it's all going to be a waste because they can't win the war anyway. What? She said, it's an unwinnable war. Russia is going to win this war. The fate of this war is already determined. So anything we send to them would be a waste of our time and efforts. You know... There's another nation out there that they said could never beat the Soviet Union after the Soviet Union invaded them. It was Afghanistan. There's no fucking way in hell that the Afghans are going to beat back the great Soviet military. But with military and financial assistance from the United States of America, they did just that. They became the first nation in the history of the world to defeat the Soviet Union. It can be done again, especially now when it's not just some covert war in the mountains of Afghanistan during the height of the Cold War. The entire world has come out against Putin. There are even some Republicans that are backing, aiding Ukraine even more. Not Marjorie Taylor Greene. This woman is so fucking evil, so un-American that it boggles the mind that anybody, and I do mean anybody, actually walked into a voting booth and voted for this piece of shit. But that wasn't the kicker of the Russian-Republican connection this week. The Russian-Republican connection this week, I think, was spotlighted uh, by the sanctions that Russia leveled. If you haven't heard this, Putin... And Russia leveled some some retaliatory sanctions against the United States of America, specifically against specific people in the United States of America. Now, these are people who are never going to go to Russia, who don't have Russian bank accounts that they now can't access. So this was really symbolic. But the list includes 
President Joe Biden, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark, Staff Mark Milley, National Security Advisor, uh, Advisor Jake Sullivan, CIA Director William Burns, Press Secretary Jen Psaki, Deputy National Security Advisor Dilep Singh, U.S. Aid Administrator Samantha Power, Deputy Secretary of the Treasury Wally Adeimo, I hope I said that name right, and U.S. Export-Import Bank President and Chair Rita Joe Lewis. Okay, fine. So retaliatory uh, sanctions are, are put in place, and they're all against people who are actually in some form of position within the government and in therefore in a position to actually hurt Russia. I get it. Absolutely get it. Where it goes astray is two two places. One, the list also included Hillary Clinton and Hunter, Hunter Biden. People who do not hold elected office that one can only assume were thrown on the sanctions list to give Republicans in the United States of America some talking points to say, look, these people are sanctioned by Russia. We're trying to to have some kind of relationship with Russia, and and people like this are sanctioned by them. So it doesn't really make sense why Hillary Clinton and Hunter Biden uh, are added to that list. But what really doesn't make sense, what truly doesn't make sense, not a single Republican. Now, people might say, well, they're all members of the administration and it's a Democratic administration. Yeah, I understand that. But there are members of the Republican Party who are cheering Joe Biden, calling Putin a war criminal, who are saying we need to send more military assistance, who are saying we need to send more money. Some are even saying we need to be in there shooting at Russians. And Russia doesn't say a word about them. Not a single sanction levied against a single Republican. Now, I'm going to remind you that in 2016, it wasn't just the Democratic National Committee who had their server hacked and emails stolen, but it was also the RNC, the Republican National Committee. Yes, the Republican Party got hacked by Russia. They came forward with this, the Republicans did. Russia didn't deny it, and we all know what happened. But did you recall seeing a single email from a single Republican uh, leaked through WikiLeaks? Through any news source? No, not one. Why not? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the Republican Party is now a wholly owned subsidiary of Vladimir Putin and Russia. You guys should look up, I don't have the ability to do this in video format for you here, you should look up the videos of Russian oligarchs celebrating on election night. Trump's win. And hear the interviews done with these Russian oligarchs celebrating Trump's win. Why are you celebrating Trump's win in the United States of America? And the answer that they gave is because it shows that Vladimir Putin can control American elections and therefore it spotlights his power and greatness. They all know that Vladimir Putin put his thumb on the scale in 2016? Everybody knows that while the election was not 
rigged, quote-unquote. It was influenced by Putin and Russia. Greatly influenced by millions of online social media bot accounts that spread misinformation in the United States of America and through organizations like Fox News and the NRA who helped push the Russian narrative. (coughs) Forgive me. And this list of sanctions and who this list of sanctions doesn't include is a glaring admission. All of this is. You have the Russian sanction list. You have Marjorie Taylor Greene saying we shouldn't give any more aid. Did my recording... Oh, my recording must have skipped the beat there. What I was saying was, this whole thing, it, it stinks to high heaven of, of evidence that Russia owns the Republican Party. Marjorie Taylor Greene's actions, Fox News's actions, uh, the fact that not a single Republican is sanctioned. <clears throat> this is all glaring evidence. Indicators, not evidence, indicators, I should say. of the Republican Party's connection to the Soviet Union. And I call it the Soviet Union because that's what it's going back to being. Putin wants to reestablish the Soviet Union and he's using the Republican Party to help him do it. Can you fucking imagine what people like Ronald Reagan would be saying right now? What people like John McCain would be saying right now? What people like Colin Powell would be saying right now? But here we are, 2022, and the Republican Party is just pushing the Russian narrative for Putin. For what? That's the big question. For what? For Trump? Because Trump is owned by the Russians, and Trump has such power over the voting base? You guys are going to cower in the face of Putin and help push his fucking narrative? Spineless. You're all spineless cowards. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the middle of, uh, not in the middle of, but uh, we are in a midterm election year. Let's see, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, nine months. In a single gestation period, it'll be time to vote for all of these fucks again, the entire Congress. We have got to continue to push this memo, this, this message that the Republican Party is owned, and we have got to continue to spotlight these glaring indicators that the, that, the, that the Republican Party is fucking owned by Vladimir Putin. And every single vote for a Republican in the fall of 2020 is a vote for Russia defeating the, so, the, 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 the United States of America from within. Because that's all this boils down to. If, 
in the in the midterms of 2022, you are still voting Republican. You are literally voting for Vladimir Putin to be successful in taking down the United States of America from within. There is no sugarcoating it. There is no spinning it. There is no twisting it. That is what you are doing. If you vote for the Republican Party in the midterms in 2022, you are an enemy of this nation. A message needs to be sent to the Republican Party that they need to return to the Republicanism of old. They need to return to the old GOP. Worried about taxes and finances and making sure America is safe. Which is historically what the Republican Party was. Don't touch my money, don't touch my guns, make sure that we got the biggest army in the, in the world. That's all they ever wanted to be. Not anymore. Now they are the pro-Putin party. And, and a message needs to be sent that it's no longer acceptable and it's no longer going to be tolerated. And we need to drive uh, the dissenters from the ranks. Because that's what they're trying to do. They are trying to end the American experiment. The Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Tucker Carlson's and the Donald Trump's and the Matt Gates's of the world, they're trying to end the American experiment. And I got to be honest with you, at this point in time, I don't know if they're doing it on purpose. I don't know if they're willing accomplices with Putin and, and Russia or if they're just useful idiots. But either way, it's got to be stopped. Find out who's running in your local elections. Find out who's running against the Republican. Get to know their platform. Get to know them. Ask them questions. Push back on them. And then... Make sure that you vote against the Republican in every election you possibly can, uh, for every seat that you possibly can in November. We have got to drive this Russian influence from our body politic. And the only way that's going to happen is at the voting booth. Period. It's the only way it's going to happen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have been running my mouth for an hour and 22 minutes, which is longer than I typically run my mouth for any of these podcasts. And I tried it. My, somebody once told me I need to make this podcast two to three hours long. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Nobody wants to hear me ramble for two fucking hours. I'm quite sure at an hour and 23 minutes now into this thing, uh, you guys are probably sick of hearing my voice too. So we're going to wrap this thing up for this week. I'm going to tell you that uh, uh, um, this coming week uh, I'll be um, looking for Jolly Ranchers, uh, bouncing off the wall, getting my hair cut, um, trying to make sure that I am um, ready to go so that I can uh, take a drive and for the first time in my life hug my child. And my grandchildren. And and I, I real quickly before I wrap this up, I want to say this because I, I 
why I hope she's still listening uh, on the tail end of this, but whatever. Um, I I feel like I, I, I'm trying to go out of my way to continue to mention my son-in-law as well because uh, I, I don't want him to feel, A, uh, like he's not important in this entire factor, and B, that, that he doesn't have a voice in this. These kids that are that are technically my grandchildren, they are his children first and foremost. Their children first and foremost. But I'm talking about him specifically in this. And and, and I want him to know that uh, I in no way want to upset the apple cart, freak him out. Put him back on his heels. Whatever terminology you want to uh, use, I, I don't want to do that. Uh, and and you know, there's got to be a certain weirdness associated with it, right? I'm, I'm going to meet these people for the first time, and I'm, I'm hopefully going to hug this gentleman's children. And, and it's like, okay, there's this fucking hairy stranger hugging my kid. That's not weird in the least bit, is it? Uh, I really can't wait to shake his hand, too, because he has, by everything I can see, been a good husband and father to my daughter and grandchildren. And that's commendable. And that, if I'm being completely honest with you, it commands my respect. And just as much as I want to meet and hug my own child and, and, and meet and hug my grandchildren for the first time, I too want to shake the hand of the man who's been there for them this entire time. And, and I, I just feel it important to continue to mention him in all of this because he is every bit of factor as anybody else in this entire scenario. And, and whether he knows it or not, I thank him immensely for whatever he's done in the world of being a husband and being a father uh, to these people who are now going to be part of my life very soon. So, uh, thank you, sir, for everything you've done. And know that I'm here for you every bit as much as I'm here for my daughter and my grandchildren. So that's going to be my week. It's going to be spent getting ready for this meeting and 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 kind of bouncing off the walls, making sure I got everything lined up. So uh, 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 hopefully there will be a podcast next week. I don't see why there wouldn't be a podcast next week. Uh, um, and then the following week uh, should be a podcast in which I might be able to give you a few stories or a few tales from our meeting, but without many details as, um, you know, once again, I would not try to expose them to this kind of insanity. Uh, I, I, having an audience and, and, and having a following does attract some crazies, and I, I don't want them to have to deal with that in the least bit. So they're going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. It's going to be great. I just need to get over my emotion. And, and put my brain on straight and I'm going to do that right now 
by ending this podcast and getting on with my day. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Thank you to everybody who's watching on the YouTube channel. And uh, until next week, as always, stay grateful.